Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Matty Gill. He is a, uh, the CEO of Ion Labs. Matty, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nick. So as I do with all of my guests at the beginning of the show, I think it's important to get context, a little bit of history, you know, some of your journey and how you arrived at this point. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and the things that contributed to this point in your career, if you would. So thank you, Nick. I, I was born in the United States in the Midwest in Ohio, and our family decided to move to Israel about 30 years ago. And I've been based in Israel ever since. Uh, I spent about 10 years in public service here in Israel before moving to industry, where I spent a little over 10 years in senior roles at Teva Pharmaceuticals, Israel's flagship company and flagship biotech company. And that led me on a journey in the various roles to learn about the innovative ecosystems and to help Teva also enter into new markets, including uh, Asian markets, Eurasian markets, as well as in Middle East and Africa, where I had the opportunity to visit Nigeria a few times, which I know has a special place in your heart, Nick, uh, and to meet the amazing entrepreneurs there and some of the great people in the regulatory uh, agencies there that are really trying to bring health and innovation uh, through to Nigerian uh, patients and the population there. And ultimately, what we wanted to do at Teva, and then that led me to Ion Labs, was to help bring artificial intelligence and machine learning into drug discovery and development and to learn how to do that and to help steer those capabilities into the way that we develop new drugs and bring them to markets and bring hope to patients. And that brought us to uh, leverage an opportunity that the Israeli government actually came out with, which was to create a new venture studio, uh, which ultimately became Ion Labs, with excellent partners and to help great, great new startups that will uh, revolutionize the way that we discover and develop new drugs and bring them to market. All right. So um, before we get into a little bit of that, obviously, you know, folks that listen to this show know that I've got a passion around Africa, uh, you know, specifically Nigeria. Obviously, uh, you know, interesting country, I think, you know, outside of that continent, perhaps, and maybe outside of the US, particularly, I think, less well understood, it's probably most known for the Nigerian scam, um, you, you know, and <laughs> it continues to this day, but I don't think it's mostly homed out of Nigeria uh, these days. But a highly innovative country, and I think others have heard me say this. What were your experiences? I'm curious about some of the interactions that you had there. So I'll just give you two anecdotes there. One is that when we started to look into the Nigerian market, which is a great market for a company that wants to expand into Africa because of the growing population, and, and really it's such a sizable market that you can't ignore, so we started to learn the market and we went to meet with the head of the Nigerian FDA. And I was blown away. Here's a woman that spent decades in the United States learning best practices in pharmaceutical development and pharmaceutical regulations that decided to move back from the United States with a mission to help build up a regulatory agency that would be professional, that would be responsible 
in the way that it reviews, approves, and makes drugs accessible to Nigerian patients. And we worked with her uh, to help her uh, learn new ways of doing such and gain knowledge in the areas of pharmacovigilance and the way that new serial tracking regulatory requirements are there uh, so that we could help teach her and train her, but also her whole senior staff um, on new methods and best practices so that uh, really they can bring safe and uh, safe and secure medicines uh, and make them affordable, uh, make them accessible for the 80 some million or uh, 200 million people that live there in Nigeria. And that was something that I was blown away by. The other element that I'll mention is we did that type of workshop on training for the Nigerian FDA, NAFTEC, what's called, through the Israeli embassy. The Israeli embassy asked us to help uh, the Nigerian uh, regulatory agencies. So it was really a G2G element that they led and we helped to support from the content. And they asked me, they said, do you want to come visit a venture platform uh, here in uh, here in uh, Nigeria, here in Abuja, in the capital there? And I said, absolutely. And so they took me to the old residence of the U.S. ambassador in Abuja uh, to meet with this amazing, beautiful group of young entrepreneurs there that were building startups with tremendous drive and entrepreneurial spirit, uh, mo mostly not in the pharmaceutical space, uh, more in uh, uh, technology spaces that are outside of our scope. But I was just blown away. I could have spent hours there, if not days, and uh, would love to, on my next visit, vi uh, visit there again to see their progress. Uh, but I was just blown away by the energies and the excitement and the talent that was oozing from each corner there and really making something beautiful out of a very, uh, out of a very, uh, in a very resourceful mindset in that sense. Um, really yeah, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm just going to layer on just one additional story. I have a, a good friend, uh, highly skilled, highly qualified brain surgeon who did exactly that, went back and is now back with his family in Nigeria. Very similar story, you know, much later in his career, but doing exactly the same thing. And it's a real testament to the country, the people. Um, you know, I, I have this sort of deep personal passion, and I, I truly appreciate you sharing that um, and you. echo, um, you know, much of that. So, so back to Ion Labs, obviously, you know, this conglomeration of folks, you talk about it specifically as a venture studio. That's a term relatively new to me. I sort of think about this in innovation hubs is really the term that I sort of come up with, but it sounds like this is a little bit different. Obviously, a focus on pharma. Um, and indeed, um, you know, we're, we're in this era of AI everything. I mean, if you don't put AI in your, your um, you know, commentary, nobody's paying attention because that's the focus. And, you know, there's a little bit of excess, but I think there is true excitement thanks to some of the progress that we've seen. That's clearly a critical part. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and, and how this sort of came about, because I think that's critical to, you know, the future of this and how we continue to develop this, you know, both in a resourceful but also ethical manner, because I think people are concerned about that, right? Sure. And I think that there, every time you have developments in technology, there's a reason uh, to be cautious and to be concerned and to be responsible. Mostly, I think that's what's uh, that's what's important. You don't want to stop innovation and scientific breakthroughs from continuing, 
but you have to learn what they're capable of, both for good as well as the risks, so that you could do it responsibly. And I think that there's a lot of great efforts on that front. Uh, we are a venture studio, as you mentioned, and it's a venture studio versus an innovation hub because we are very focused in what we do. We are focused on creating and supporting the growth of new startups in our field. And our field is AI and machine learning and computational uh, technologies for drug discovery and development. Uh, so a venture studio, because we actually have a company creation model in, in which we, and we can go into that if you'd like, in which we create new startups anywhere between four to six every single year, and we support them for growth. And we give them up to four years to work and develop the technologies, validate that they actually work and then go on and grow. And our field was decided upon because we felt that this is a field of AI for drug discovery and development. And we actually launched it a little bit before the whole gener generative AI bubble started to grow. Uh, but we, uh, we, we chose this space because our feeling is that there's tremendous potential for artificial intelligence and really the harnessing of big data capabilities in our field of drug discovery and development, because it's one of the last fields out there and last markets out there that has yet to be uh, fully revolutionized uh, through the capabilities of artificial intelligence. If you think about it, Nick, and you're a physician, uh, we are ultra conservative and probably rightfully so about how we approve new drugs and what type of drugs we put into our bodies. Ultimately that uh, that whole process takes well over 10 years it takes well on well over two billion dollars on average to develop a new drug and the whole industry pay, pays for the r d and all the failures uh, that are well over 90 percent failure rate uh, from the time that you actually start to test out a new drug and what actually makes it to market after receiving uh, fda approval so the notion is in such a in such uh, an inefficient process is that by bringing in technological capabilities, we can bring new hope to patients, new drugs uh, for new types of diseases that do not yet have a cure or do not yet have a therapy in record times, in a faster process, and for much cheaper and provide more access to, to more drugs for more patients. And that's really what we're trying to do here. Uh, we're just at the beginning of the AI entrance into drug discovery and development. Uh, there's more and more going on in that space, obviously. It's a growing space, uh, and there is a lot of buzz about it, but the potential is yet to be realized, and we are right at the forefront which, with an excellent group of partners that can help us succeed in our mission. So uh, great background you know, explanation. One of the things that uh, you know, I'm familiar with, or at least is, is maybe it's dogma. You, you can correct me if this isn't the case, but Notoriously, you know, an awful lot of companies fail. Um, it's very hard to start a company, even with fantastic technology. I always pick on VHS, Betamax. Betamax failed, but, you know, purists will say it was a better technology. Um, you talked about four to six created companies every year. I, I don't know how long you've been in business and oh, we, just start, we just started a little over uh, a year okay so you're not going to be able to answer this i was hoping you might be able to I, say probably, oh, yeah i well, probably can answer it well so, let, me, let me let me ask the question and then answer it for you Nick. okay so yeah we've already been along enough that we've already shut down one company hmm. and one of the core elements in venture studios 
is uh, to, to that's core to their success. And you could see this in any uh, model or case study like flagship uh, pioneering and others is to take a tough decision to shut mm-hmm. down a product or a company that just isn't working. Now we guarantee to all our entrepreneurs that we give them up to two years, unless in agreement with the entrepreneurs, we feel that it's just not working, that the scientific capabilities are not being realized or that the market's not out there. So we actually found great entrepreneurs that came from the tech space uh, to, to set up a new company that was supported by three of our partners and uh, to solve a challenge that we thought was going to be a robust enough challenge uh, to be the basis of a new startup. And after working on it with a year and receiving a lot of input from our expert partners, we realized it wasn't a great company that would be attractive for VC funding and be able to grow independently. And together with the entrepreneurs, we decided that we should just cease to um, put resources into it, time and money into it and to separate uh, amicably. And I think that's key to being successful because then we can focus on the companies that do have potential to succeed. So so for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to Matty Gill. He's the CEO of Ion Labs. We were just talking about the whole concept of a venture studio versus an innovation hub. We just dived into one of the realities of you know venture funding, particularly at the very early stages, the relatively high failure rate. And also, let's be clear, relatively high failure rate of um, pharma and molecules that are being designed, um, you know, we see this massive pipeline that sort of narrows up into the sort of final stages of actual solutions that deliver value. And I think, you know, I I just want to highlight this and, you know, I'm going to be selfish about it and say, gosh, sounds really like an incremental uh, learning point here that, you know, this is not always about success and failure is important to understand, recognize and deal with responsibly. Always hard to do, but I think done, you know, in the appropriate setting, appropriate sort of uh, review, it sounds like you've already done that. And, you know, even in this sort of early experience, that sort of jives a, at least a little bit with some of the numbers. Um, and, and and I think essential, but rather than focus on the negative, let's focus on the positive and see what the sort of positive experiences are. Obviously, you've brought together a really key set of resources, one of the big challenges for founders, early venture capital is actually creating an infrastructure to deliver against a solution. You know, you can have a fantastic solution, but if you can't put that into a corporate structure, is that part of what you're offering? And and how do you go about delivering against that? So we always uh, make sure that we're working with three pillars. Number one is to make sure that we are always working on a very clear, crisp, well-defined problem statement. And we don't set up a new company or invest in a new company unless that problem statement is absolutely clear. Because Nick, you're right. There's a lot of solutions out there that are looking for challenges. We're happy to take a look at them and work with them to validate whether or not there's a problem on there. And if anyone has great technologies in the AI space for drug discovery and development, send them our way. However, uh, we will never invest or set up a new company unless there's a very clear, crisp problem statement. That is our learning from the first company we shut down that I mentioned, that, uh, mm-hmm. that the problem statement was there. It just wasn't good, crisp, and robust enough. And so we have a whole set of uh, criteria that it needs to meet for that. Secondly, is that there has to be excellent scientist founders. And so we run a competitive process. 
and a very clear process where we are open to talent coming from anywhere. And if you're listening to me in Nigeria, we haven't yet had any Nigerian scientist founders, but we'd love to have some here. And we've had from actually uh, five out of the seven continents uh, from the world. We haven't yet had from Australia, but we've had candidates come from all over the world and setting up companies here in Israel with uh, great scientist founders to tackle some of the biggest challenges in our space. And third is that we then mentor them for success and help them grow. So we've created an infrastructure where our companies have access to uh, computational wet labs, uh, the expertise of the great pharma companies, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Merck, and Teva, that will help them to provide them with the data, experience, expertise needed, meet with them on a regular basis so that they can develop their solutions and technologies and bring them to market. Great investors like the Israel Biotech Fund and Amiti Ventures, as well as our entire network, so that they have access to funding and are making sure that they're actually building a good company and not just a good research project. And we have a computational and cloud partner in Amazon Web Services that we were blown away by their capabilities, specifically in the biotech space, because they've really developed a great scientific team so that they can provide their cloud for pharma companies in the life sciences space, in the healthcare space, with a deep understanding of what those companies need, because they actually pharma R&D executives from the past and ex healthcare and even physicians, our investment committee member from Amazon as a, as a physician. So they actually have an understanding of what the needs are in our space and they can help to understand how to leverage the cloud. And this whole model is based on a model that was invented by uh, Christian Tidona from Biomedics that really has been doing this for over 10 years in the research space uh, in a company called Biomedics uh, based out of Germany. And we adapted that model for, from a research institute into what will work for uh, venture creation. And that's what we're doing here in Ion Labs and helping to great, define great challenges, provide all the expertise and the support needed so that our scientist founders can succeed. So still relatively early, but I'm, I'm curious about what your funnel looks like. I mean, how many applications do you get? What's the sort of success rate? I mean, is this is this difficult yeah. or are you finding lots of great ideas and people coming up and you know just not enough resources potentially what, what's your balancing act so we are doing something that hasn't been done yet and just like anything that ambitious with great partners it's also very difficult so we we've finished our first year learned a lot from it building on those learnings and we've it, up until now invested or created in five startups. Our six will be selected in September. Um, and uh, some of them are very promising. We're very, very happy with uh, with our success to date. Uh, we hit the ground running. So to be able to do that within a year and a half, I think is, uh, is something that we're very proud of, uh, but we are going to continue to uh, improve. And that's something that uh, we're very committed to and we're blessed to have such a tremendous team but also great partners that are very uh very committed to our success and uh, we have an upcoming boot camp in september that will be in how do we develop use ai for small molecule drug discovery uh, there we have five incredible uh candidates and teams that will compete to create our sixth startup here in uh, in ion labs uh, and we're now running our ideation process to decide on the biggest challenge that we're going to tackle in 2024 and beyond. 
So um, the other thing that sort of strikes me, I mean, I think international is always positive, but one of the things that you see, especially in healthcare, it's not not exclusive to it, but is, is the the fear, let's call it, not necessarily founded, but the fear around sharing of data, especially yeah. PHI, not so much the sort of corporate um, patenting and so forth, but that obviously plays into it. How do you approach that? Because it sounds like you've got a, a real sort of international stage. Um, you know, what, what's, what, what are the, the challenges and, you know, the successes so far? So in the most cases, we are sharing and we're enabling the sharing of data that is research data and not necessarily patient data, but we're fully compliant with all the best uh, practices and to ensure privacy and to ensure compliance with all uh, all the requirements uh, with regards to sharing data. And we're fortunate that we have four pharma companies that all want to enable the sharing of their data for the for the purpose of helping startups advance science and advance breakthrough discoveries. They want to share their data with the startups, but they don't want to share their data with each other be, and they're not allowed to because this is a their competitors and we are very strict on our antitrust uh, guidelines. So therefore, it's great that we have a company like Amazon Web Services here that's able to provide that type of platform uh, and to help us think through how we can create a federated data sharing platform uh, so that each one of the pharma companies can share their data with the startup, but not with each other in that manner and to be able to do it in as efficient as possible. But the access to data is really key and it's really the it's really a differentiator for our startups. Uh, for them to be able to work with the pharma partners from day one and co-develop with them and have access uh, to their expertise, but also to their data is a key differentiator for what will help them be successful versus trying to do it on their own, developing their technology, and then down the road, seeking out a design partner that in our space, it's a little different than in other spaces. And it's really something that they can benefit from. Right. So um, the other thing that you, you mentioned in the um, introduction and you know some of the background details is the, the the speeding up of the process and in particular trying to deliver more access, more accessibility. I mean, one of the things that I think people would be critical of, whether it's valid or not, um, is the cost of pharma. I think that's you know vastly exceeded any kind of trajectory that people would have seen we know healthcare costs are just astounding but you know specifically with um very customized molecules customized therapies um and it sounds like a lot of your sort of innovation is directed in that area but you know you've worked in spaces that don't have resources you're excited about that how are you addressing that and how do you see that playing out in you know the coming months and years so it's it's very evident that artificial intelligence and the capability to be able to really harness technologies can speed up processes, make them much more efficient. Uh, we feel that's part of our mission, not just to bring new therapies to patients, but to also uh, make the process of doing so much more efficient so that it doesn't, we're not continuing to pay for over 90% failure rate. And that's the main driver is that ultimately we are all paying for the fact that scientific breakthroughs are incredibly hard to do and you have a 90% plus failure rate and we're paying for all those failures because ultimately this is a for-profit business. 
And so you need to be able to return your investment. And, and that includes all those failures in that sense. So if you're able to really gain more insights into really harnessing data, you can lower that attrition rate to much less than 90%. And you can improve your chances of success in clinical outcomes by a much higher rate. That's worth a lot for a startup that wants to work in the space, but it's incredibly of value to healthcare systems out there. And while pharmaceutical costs are a small portion usually of healthcare costs that are uh, high, uh, they still uh, they still are much higher than they could be if we're able to bring down those attrition rates and really uh, spend less on the R&D and then you can actually uh, lower the costs and make them more accessible. Okay, so um, exciting times. I think lots of opportunity. Obviously, you're excited about it. I think, you know, this inflection point that we talked about at the beginning uh, with artificial intelligence is really bringing a huge new opportunity and scope that you're trying to capitalize on. You have the infrastructure. You're obviously keen to get people in. I'm sure folks are listening. Um, how do they get involved? Who should be involved? Who should they do? You know, what, what should they do to apply? Sure. Anyone can reach me on LinkedIn uh, and you can reach out to us. We're very accessible. Uh, just reach out to me. I'll respond very quickly. We want the best, imp uh, the best minds out there that are potential scientists, founders that are either coming from a technology or AI background or coming from a biological and scientific and life sciences background. That's who we're looking for. So for those of you looking, um, it's A-I-O-N-Labs, A-I-O-N-Labs.com. That's their webpage. You'll find all of the resources there. Um, reach out. You heard it here. Matty Gill is the person that uh, everybody wants to reach out on on LinkedIn. I think he's very brave to say that because if he doesn't get all of those... <laughs> <laughs> challenging LinkedIn uh, connections of uh, people that are somewhat more nefarious. He's, uh, he's a better man than I. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, we've run out of time. So it just remains for me to thank you uh, for joining me on the show. Matthew, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 